Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, of course, being joined by Jamie D'Amico, as we are each and every week here on the podcast. And Jamie, as much uh, as much as I wish we were talking about the Bills 8-4 and four and first place in the AFC East, and looking pretty strong in that number one seed for the AFC playoff picture. We are not. The Bills dropped a game that uh, can be summed up in uh, Mm -hmm. one word, um, deflating. Uh, No pun intended (laughs) for the future opponent coming up uh, in week 14. But But, uh, just before we go into our pod, you know, breaking down this matchup, the Bills and the Bucks, and now... uh, I, I don't know. I, talk to me about how Jamie D'Amico is doing because John Boccasino is not doing very well when it comes to his Bills fandom. And I know the sky is not falling. I know the Bills can still make the playoffs. I just – we haven't beaten anybody good besides Kansas City this year. That was before Kansas City rediscovered their mojo. So here's where Jamie D'Amico is right now. It's looking at the losses, the – the Bills were absolutely curb stomped by the Colts. There's no way around that. However, the other four losses were all one score games. And the Bills just didn't quite figure out how to get it over the goal line like they did last year. The ball bounces in many strange ways. And this year, the ball is not bouncing the way it we would like for it for the Bills. They're not, they're not getting the luck that maybe they had at times last year. Uh, you know, Josh Allen doesn't seem to visually have the same mojo that he had last season. But you know what? If you score one more touchdown in any one of those games, you now have a one-loss team and in a commanding driver's seat in the AFC. The Bills were really, really really good in one score games and getting the ball to bounce their way last year. And this year that has just not been the case. And, you know, you're right outside of, yeah, the, the crushing by the Colts, every game was winnable. Um, The Bills still should have won that game on Monday night. You know, I don't (laughs) literally, you know, Buffalo could be 10 and two very easily on the year as much as they are seven and five without even going through a whole miraculous um, bunch of you know gymnastics moves to make Buffalo have won. I mean, they there's so many games this year. You know, outside of again the Colts game, they could have won the Titans game. They could have easily won the Jaguars game. They should have won the Jaguars game. They could have and should have won the Patriots game. But the NFL, as Bill Parcells famously said, you are what your record is. And right now the Bills are seven and five. And in spite of you know Jamie, that made me feel better. Um, I know I'm usually the one cheering you up. But you made me feel better by going through and saying that the Bills have just been unlucky when it comes to their one-score games, and they could just as easily be 10-2 and two, uh, versus 7-5. and five. The other thing is, with the extra playoff berth this year in each conference, if the Bills get to 10-7, and seven, which that path to 10-7 and seven should include beating Carolina, the Falcons, and the Jets, 
they get to 10 and 7, they should be a wild card team. If they can somehow steal a game either this week against the Bucks or next week, I'm sorry, or day after Christmas uh, when they're taking on the Patriots back in their revenge game in Foxborough, the Bills get to 11 and 6. They, according to the math that I did, which I know I was told there'd be no math on this podcast, but if they do that, the Bills should get the AFC East. So as much as Bills fans like myself were, and I got to tell you, Jamie, that scene Monday night was like straight out of a horror film, you know, between the the pregame, the 50 mile an hour wind gusts, the snow coming in. Um, I mean, <laughs> at, at some point you're just like, the only thing that can salvage this is Buffalo pulling out a win. And one of four on the red zone, in the red zone trips, the last two drives, Buffalo got to a point where they could score points. Now, that Tyler Bass field goal is going to haunt me for a while. It was going away from our section, but I, I guess I didn't realize just how bad the win was because nobody had dared to kick in that end of the stadium. And to that effect, before the game, the Patriots had said that if it was anything farther than an extra point, they were not going to be kicking towards that end of the stadium. And it was frustrating that Tyler Bass, who was a really clutch kicker, could not make that field goal. And it was frustrating that Stephon Diggs dropped a touchdown pass, that Dawson Knox dropped a huge one on third and 19, that Dawson Knox committed a false start that pushed back the potential game-winning drive uh, that the Bills didn't turn to Josh Allen running the ball more. Like, there's so many frustrations. And yet, in spite of all of that, this team is still right in the thick of it. Mm -hmm. So they were showing it before the game. They were showing warm-ups and the kickers trying to kick field goals before the game. And every kick took a really hard, like, 90-degree turn. It, when it was on its way and the the studio hosts were like laughing their butts off they're like look at that look at how hard it turns so you know going for that field goal instead of going for it on fourth and six when making a field goal was unlikely when the Patriots weren't really moving the ball well I, I question that I, I question the decision to uh, review the quarterback sneak and that there was no way they were going to overturn. That was terrible. That was a terrible um, waste of a time. It, it seemed like McDermott was coaching tight. I Let's put it this way. As much as I hate Bill Belichick, he coached the pants off of Sean McDermott and McDermott coached tight and tense. And Belichick was like, all right, we're going to run the ball 46 times. What are you going to do to stop it? And that's what's so infuriating is that Buffalo knew the run was coming. And I know A.J. Klein being sidelined was a big deal because he's really good at run stuffing. But how the hell do you not get better at stopping the run? And, okay, don't I know that there could have been two or three holding penalties called on the Damian Harris long touchdown run. That was garbage. I know that the delay of game on Buffalo was absolutely atrocious because they never call it simultaneous when it goes to zero and when they call the delay of game. There's always a small buffer between those two. The plays were terrible. Buffalo had some bad breaks go their way. But at the end of the day, the Bills still have to find a way to win that game, and they got pushed around. When a team runs the ball 46 times, they're saying, we know you can't stop us. And 
you need to figure that out. You need to figure it out. They held the ball just long enough. Now, granted, it was only 14 points, but they held the ball long enough to keep the Bills from having enough chances. And that's, you know, that's one of the ways in which you win is by controlling the game. Um, that's what happened. And this was a weakness of the Bills last year, too. The run defense. The run defense isn't the best this year. And now that the Bills offense is not scoring in droves the way they did last season, they need to figure something out. So, can they figure it out this week? Well, they're going to get a big challenge because twofold. <clears throat> Taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the reigning Super Bowl champions who at 9-3 and three have a comfortable four-game lead in the NFC South. Leonard Fournette is a dynamic back. He's having a fantastic season for Tampa Bay. And the Bills are going to be without star Latulale, who is going to miss, I believe, his fifth game this year. Um, That officially came out earlier Friday that Starr is going to be sidelined with a toe injury. So, Jamie, the Bills are in trouble when it comes to – thankfully, they're playing a team that does not run the ball as well as the Patriots or as the Colts. But the Buccaneers, make no mistake about it, even though they are a pass-heavy team, they can run the ball. They can definitely run the ball. Even though they're going to be without, I believe – um, Hobart Williams, Smith grad, Ali Marpet is questionable uh, for the game. He's a fantastic left guard for Tampa Bay. Their center, Ryan Jensen, was on the injury report with an ankle injury. He's questionable. The Bucks could be down two of their top five offensive linemen, which is huge for a Buffalo team that, like I said, is going to be missing star clog in the middle. Hopefully. <laughs> um, it's Yes, they... They were limited in practice, both of the players that you mentioned, both very good. Um, I, I got to think that despite being limited, they're probably going to end up out on the field. And yeah, the, the book is out on the Bills. If you can hand the ball off 40 times, you're going to win. If you can hand the ball off 30 times, you're probably going to win. A power running game is, that's what the Bills defense can't seem to stand up to, even though they still have a very good defense. But This is the game that we are going to feel the loss of Trey Davis White. It didn't happen last week because there were only three passes by the Patriots. This week, against the GOAT at quarterback, you can bet he is going to be looking for Dane Jackson on every play. And, and, and you're right. This is definitely the first week that the Bills will miss the loss of all pro Trey White, who was out for the year with the ACL. The only blessing as far as Buffalo is concerned is that the Buccaneers are not going to be at full strength when it comes to their wide receiver core. Thanks to uh, Mr. Knucklehead Antonio Brown and his fake COVID-19 card, uh, taking a a vaccine card, taking a big weapon off of the field uh, when it comes to Tampa Bay. But man, you talk about Tom Brady and Bills fans are sick and tired of Tom Brady. And unfortunately, this week is going to be another one of those games where, you know, you give the the GOAT, the best quarterback to ever play the game, time to throw the ball because he's going to get rid of the ball quickly. And you're down your top corner, who's a shutdown, lockdown corner. Even with AB out for the Buccaneers, this is still a tough, very tough matchup for the Bills. And, you know, yeah, Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson were not tested during the two of three outing for Mac Jones on Monday Night Football. But let me pose this to you, Jamie. We know that the Bills do not have the advantage 
when it comes to the passing game and slowing down and stopping Mac, uh, stopping Tom Brady, being down Trey White. So what does Leslie Frazier try to dial up to really throw a monkey wrench at a guy who has seen absolutely everything in his Hall of Fame career? I don't know, dude. You're asking me an impossible question there. <laughs> You're asking me how to slow down Tom Brady. <laughs> Nobody's figured it out. Um, I mean, of course not. It is an impossible question, but I just wanted to see, like, I don't know, you're kind of a creative guy. You've got some decent knowledge of football. I'm just wondering, like, if there's anything, like, what, because if if you blitz him quick, he's going to find the open receiver. If you sit back and do zone coverages, he's going to wait till his receivers break free and find the seams in your zone. It's a catch-22, and it's an impossible scenario. So where do you even start? I, I think I start probably by playing – uh, quarters zone. I, I'm going to keep my safeties back and my cover guys back, and I'm going to try to make them beat me with small plays because Chris Godwin is in the top 10 in both receptions and yardage. Mike Evans, 6'5", 230 pounds. He's exactly the type of guy that gives Bill's defensive backs fits. Plus, you throw in Gronk, Cameron Brait, and even O.J. Howard, who doesn't even see the field anymore, even though he's a good tight end. Um, there's just a lot of weapons. And what do you do with that? I personally expect you're going to see a lot of uh, two tight end sets. And they're going to see what they can do about getting... Um, uh, damn it, the Bills uh, Nickelback. What is his name? Taron Johnson. Yeah, they're going to see what they can do about getting Taron Johnson off the field, especially if A.J. Klein can't go. Well, and what's really dangerous, uh, Jamie, with any strategy and trying to slow down Tom Brady is he is rediscovering that connection with another thorn in Buffalo's proverbial side, Rob Gronkowski, who had two touchdown catches against the Falcons, who appears to be healthy after having an assortment of issues and injuries that he dealt with during uh, the, the previous part of the season with the Buccaneers. So you got not only Mike Evans, who's a physical matchup nightmare, Chris Godwin, who has a really good set of hands and is a really good route runner. You get Rob Gronkowski against the Buffalo linebackers, who you need to have them keyed in on whether they're doing pass schemes or they're going to be trying to slow down Leonard Fournette. There's a reason the Buccaneers are such a, pr- a potent offense is because Tom Brady can say, He can pick his poison. Who are you going to stop? Who are you going to slow down? Who are you going to contain? Yeah, and Gronk is averaging over 13 yards per reception, and it has six TDs on the season. He seems to be rounding into form. Now, the Bills are really hit and miss when it comes to covering tight ends. If they sell out to stop a tight end, they can do well. They they showed that they they did that this season with Chris Kelsey, but, um, you know, in the past, the Bills have struggled with it, so... I don't know. What you what are you going to do here? Um, you know Leonard Fournette is going to get more than his share of carries. And you know, Fournette is a, another matchup problem for the Bills weighing in at around 230 pounds. Power backs are are not what the Bills stand up to well. Star isn't in the lineup. The interior of the defensive line gets pushed backwards. <sighs> this could be the kind of game, a, another game where the clock is totally controlled by the other team. But, but I see Leslie Frazier dialing up some interesting blitzes, some interesting coverages that aren't necessarily going to confuse Tom Brady, but is probably going to confuse the route runners a little bit and make them change up their 
their idea of where to sit in the zone. And maybe they think that they're going to be man covered, but it, it drops off into a zone. You know, keep them thinking, the guys on the outside, and that's going to that's going to make it more difficult for the Tampa offense to be successful. Well, and one of the reasons the Buccaneers are so successful too, besides the, the, the plethora of weapons, we mentioned, you know, Marpet and Jensen, their left guard and center being questionable. And Jamie, you're right. I mean, I'm trying to be optimistic and maybe they don't play. Maybe their injuries are worse than Bruce Arians is letting on. But if they do play, that gives Tampa Bay four potential pro bowlers or pro bowl caliber players on the offensive line, along with right tackle Tristan Wirfs and right guard Alex Kappa. It all adds up to Tom Brady being able to do whatever the hell he wants. And when you know the numbers that Brady is 32-3 and against the Buffalo Bills in his career, he knows what the Bills are going to try to bring to the table. It's not like he's never seen a Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier defense before. But the one thing I'll give Buffalo credit for is, and again, this is going to be a stat that comes at you with Trey White having been on the field for all of these matchups. But Tom Brady, despite being 6-0 in his last six meetings, his numbers have been pedestrian at best against Buffalo. He actually has more interceptions, five, than touchdowns, four, over those last six games. So there's hope that Leslie Frazier can maybe somehow, yeah, figure out a confusing, confounding blitz scheme capitalizing on Taron Johnson, capitalizing on Saran Neal coming off the edge, capitalizing on maybe this is the game where we get the breakthrough we've been waiting for out of F.A. Obata and Jerry Hughes and the rest of the pass rushers. Ed Oliver was a full practice participant, so thankfully he will be out there on Sunday. Maybe there's a chance. Here's the thing. This is entirely, and I I mentioned this before we got started, but this is entirely about the Buffalo Bills. This isn't about Tampa. We know that they're a good team. It's can the Bills make good on what their weaknesses are? Can they account for that? You're seeing it with the Chiefs right now. The Chiefs had a terrible defense, but they're, they're figuring it out and they're holding their opponents to fewer points than they have at any point during the season. So... Where are the Bills right now as compared to where successful teams have been in the past? Well, the Bills are 7-5. and five. You know who was 7-5 and five last year? That would be the Buccaneers who went on to win the Super Bowl. The Bills, I can't say that they have a signature win this year. Here's a great opportunity for it. Nut up, boys. Nut up, win out, get hot, going into the playoffs. You can still win a Super Bowl. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year 
at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And remember last year, I know much is made of the comparisons, but the Buccaneers got their asses handed to them 38-3 to by the New Orleans Saints uh, in a game where it looked like the Saints were playing football and the Buccaneers were playing chess or checkers out there. I mean, you know, it is a week-to-week league, and the Bills do have a golden opportunity. I like how, you, you know, if you look at everything that's gone wrong, the calamity – and comedy of errors that the Bills have gone through, they are still right there in the thick of it. The Steelers lost last night, which helps uh, the teams chasing the Bills and have those tiebreakers over them. They fall to the Vikings. The Bills are 7-5. and five. If they can just, like you said so eloquently, if they can just nut up and get this win on Sunday. And you know who I'm looking at, Jamie, for people that really need to step up and answer the bell? As much as I am a huge fan of these two guys – I thought they got their asses handed to them against the Patriots. It's Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. And oh, they did. They were yes. getting pushed around and thrown off their schemes, and they looked like they were absolutely lost out there. They need so much more out of their top two linebackers, who, granted, have been very successful this year, but they weren't able to get off. They weren't able to charge forward. They weren't able to break through the the, the openings to slow down Damian Harris and Ramonde Stevenson, and that really came back to bite the Bills in the ass. Yes. Uh, you You've seen it before, but they have a hard time getting off of blocks. And when interior linemen lock onto them, it it kind of takes them out of the game. Now, you saw Milano come around at the end of the game, but that's when he basically had to be told by McDermott, hey, if you see a gap, you got to run through it now. So, you know, I I'm not surprised that they had a hard time with a very physical offensive line, but they need to they need to do a better job. They need to I, I would say draw from their inner Jordan Poyer, who despite giving up over 100 pounds to a lot of the, the offensive linemen who were on the field, he was sacrificing his body to stand up blockers, to to fill gaps. He was just, he was fantastic all, all game last week. I agree. I felt that he was really putting his body on the line. He was diving into blockers. He was forcing the plays Back inside, he was making tackles against much bigger ball carriers. He was filling the running lanes. He was fantastic. And that's what makes it disappointing that he didn't get more help on the defense. The Bills are going to need to find a way to match the intensity and get more physical because that's one way I think the Bills could beat up on the Buccaneers is by being a more physically imposing and dominant defense. That's one way they can get after Brady. And you know what? If you take a 15-yard penalty every now and then for really getting after him and you can't slow down nearly enough and you hit Brady a little late, so what? Make him feel it. Make him feel you and get after him because the Bills need to show. There's a reputation that Buffalo is is, is earning in the NFL. It's as a soft team that commits back-breaking penalties and will not be able to impose their will on the other team. This is, again, a golden opportunity. It's the it's the, the premier game in the late time slot on Sunday, the Bills, the Buccaneers. 
We spent a lot of this podcast talking about what Buffalo is going to do on defense. But, Jamie, you're right. Just as much as we're talking about the GOAT and Tom Brady, this is all about how does Buffalo respond to being down. And one of the big storylines that's come out this week is are Sean McDermott and offensive coordinator Brian Dable on the same page or on different pages when it comes to this offense? What's your take on that? I think that whole scenario is a little bit overblown. Um, I know that McDermott wants to be physical at the line of scrimmage. Unfortunately, that's not the way this team is built. These are not offensive linemen that are quote-unquote road graders, especially Mitch Morris. His game is not power blocking. So the truth of the matter is Dable is going with what he has been dealt. And even though philosophically McDermott wants something different, he knows deep down that this is they're playing the game that they need to play. And Dable's calling the game that he wants called. This is for the players to hear about being physical, not about Dable. Dable has to call the game the way he's calling the games. McDermott knows. I mean, he's in on the game planning every week. I mean, he's the head coach. He knows what's going on and why. So it's being it's being overblown that there is potentially a rift between the two of them. Maybe it's one of those things where it's a unifying factor, too, where they need to do something else to kind of, you know, rally up the troops and get them from being complacent. And maybe this is the rallying cry that maybe it was one of those things where it's going to challenge Dable to get more creative, because I thought his play calling was extremely vanilla. And I know the wind was atrocious, but there were some plays like I mentioned that digs deep ball where Josh put it right on the money and Stefan just could not come away with the catch that would have been a touchdown. This could be a way of challenging Dable to say, all right, you know what? That was a dud we put out there. We the Bills, if the Bills are going to win this game, they're not going to win at 17-15. They're going to have to win 30 plus points against Tampa Bay. I think the Bills have the horses to do it, but one area that concerns me is the offensive line. And we've been talking about this all year long. There's been some major weaknesses on the line. Now, Deion Dawkins played, I think, his best game of the year. Uh, for Buffalo against New England. But Spencer Brown was another one of those players who love to quickly forget what happened against the Patriots. Are you at all worried about any warts that Spencer Brown showed, or do you think he's going to bounce back? Uh, he'll bounce back. He's he's raw. He has exceeded expectations, but you know the fact that he has even exceeded them is playing with house money. Uh, he had a hard time with some of the stronger pass rushers of New England. That's to be expected at this point. We'll see him bounce back. He's got to learn more about technique. He's got to learn more about what is being thrown his direction. But this is a guy who's on the upswing. He's going to have bumps in the road. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I hope not. I feel like there was some rust that was being shaken off too with Spencer Brown. He's a rookie. He's going up against a defense that really can impose their will and their physicality. And that's something that Brown has struggled with so far. But another guy. Yeah. I was going to say there is one thing that concerns me though. He had COVID. Could it be COVID related? Like we saw with Deion Dawkins, that it's going to take him a little while to get his feet back under him. Sorry to interrupt. If that's the case, Jamie, then this whole Bills offense is in trouble because it took Dion up until week 12 or 13, in my 
humble opinion to really prove that he was back to the all pro that we're expecting him to play at on that left side. Let's hope that's not the case for uh, Spencer Brown. One of the players, Jamie, that I am worried about, though, is Mitch Morse. I know he's still a good pass blocker. He can be a really good asset with the athleticism when it comes to the run blocking. But Mitch Morse is not your power offensive lineman. And when I keep hearing McDermott reference the Bills need to get more physical and more powerful, that is not Mitch Morse's scheme. And I wonder the disconnect. How does Buffalo, how does Brian Dable make up for that? Do they make up for that? Morris is miscast in a power blocking scheme. He needs to be in a pin and pull system, which is something that the Bills had started doing the previous couple of weeks, but didn't do this past week for some reason. They have to get back to it because he's Morris is even getting beat on pass blocking more so than he has in the past. And I, I think he's starting to have a lapse in confidence. And that that isn't good for anybody because they need him playing well. They need him getting out around the edge, leading sweeps down the field, not trying to move a nose tackle off the point of attack. That's not what he's made for. Excellent breakdown there by Jamie D'Amico here on Believe as we are talking about Mitch Morse and the Buffalo Bills heading into a big Week 14 showdown with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In Tampa Bay, the Bucs are 9-3. and three, The Bills are 7-5. and five. Buffalo desperately needs a win You know, I know that they can, again, still win the division. They can still make the wild card without a win. But my God, Jamie, this team could use some morale and they could really use a victory that puts some confidence back in their step. I wonder, and you saw it with the exchange with Hyde and Poyer and uh, Jerry Sullivan, the longtime Bills beat writer who had asked a question about the team getting embarrassed. And you can argue about the legitimacy of the question or not, but I just wonder... How is the chemistry in this locker room? Are the Bills still a tight unit or are there starting to be some cracks in the ranks where some self-doubt creeps in? This could be a great chance for the Bills to go out there and say, you know what? We've taken our lumps just like the Buccaneers last year, but we're going to learn from them and get better. This is a golden opportunity on Sunday. I'm glad you brought that up. Two weeks ago on Jamie D and Big Newt, we talked specifically about that. And in my opinion, There are problems in the Bills locker room, and I don't think that we're talking enough about that. But when you go back to the summer, you had players that were very outspoken about not getting the COVID vaccination. You had teammates arguing with them on Twitter about why they should. And then you've got two very clearly defined factions. And then you have Deion Dawkins, who previously for the past couple of years was a captain and is not a captain anymore. That's strange. Why would it go backwards? Is it that Sean McDermott made a rule that anybody who was not vaccinated couldn't be a captain? So I think that you have a group that is not nearly as tight knit as it was last year because we've had the, the whole COVID thing come in. And beyond that, you have... You have some trials and tribulations with the way they're playing that were not issues last year, but they are this year. They're the hunted, not the hunter. You have Josh Allen, who signed a massive contract that he's trying to live up to, probably feeling under pressure over. And you have Sean McDermott trying to navigate all of this. And I am willing to bet that he is struggling to keep this locker room together. 
I am willing to bet that there are a number of players on this Buffalo Bills squad that are excited for the season to just be over. That's a scary thought if that is indeed true, everything that you laid out there, because there is no reason that this Bills team should be, you know, divided as you're suggesting with the the COVID stance, with the leadership questioning out there with McDermott. We've always known McDermott to pride himself on the process and chemistry and culture. And I really hope that this is a wake-up call for the Bills to get back on track and not turn into the bickering Bills of the late 80s who missed the uh, playoffs and had their window of Super Bowl runs pushed back by a year because they just couldn't get along. They were famous for their infighting. They were famous for squabbles in the locker room and they get sidetracked. Winning cures everything. And that's really where I feel like even if this team is divided, if they come out and get a big win over the Buccaneers, I think everything hopefully goes back to being in a better state and a better place because that'll have slowed the momentum of demise that will turn things around and hopefully spark this Bills team on a run. Because Jamie, I know the schedule is tough with Tampa Bay and you have one more game with New England, but the Bills should win Carolina, the Falcons and the Jets. And you've got 10 wins guaranteed there. If they could just, again, steal one of these wins. And I'm putting this on Josh Allen, not on his play, because I think he's played pretty well this year, relatively speaking. Some regression was going to happen. But I want Josh as a leader to be able to go in there and control the guys and be like, you know what? You guys might not get along with each other. There might be COVID differences in philosophies, but what do you care about the most? It's winning the damn games and getting this team to where we want to go. That should be enough to unify them. It should be. And here's the thing. Every year, teams lose a game that they shouldn't. Hello, Jacksonville. And they win a game that they have no business winning. This week is that game. Is that a prediction, Jamie? Yep. All right, let's get to it then. I know you got to get running up here. And and by the way, I also don't want to slight the Buccaneers on defense. They have some phenomenal playmakers. Vita Vea is questionable at the nose tackle, but I think he's probably going to play. Devin White is an all-world inside linebacker. So is Levante David and Shaq Barrett. They've got a much better secondary now that almost everyone is back and healthy, although they might be missing one of their top safeties on Sunday. So with that, and of course, there's the uh, indomitable Indomitian Sue at the defensive line spot, who is just a, a, a massive mountain of a man to try to move around. I hope the Bills don't say that they need to be physical and run the ball 30 times on Sunday. This needs to be an offense that moves the ball with prolific nature and moves it up and down the field with pinpoint precision from Josh Allen. What are you seeing on Sunday, Jamie? I'm seeing the shootout that you're seeing, and the Bills are going to pull it together, man. They're going to win this one, 38-28. Wow, not only a win, but a two-score win. I like that, Jamie. I absolutely love your optimism. I, uh, again, this is one of those, I don't have a good feeling on this game. You know, I I get it. And the Bills have their backs against the wall. I mean, this is one of those games that they should not win in theory. With everything being equal, the Bills should not win this game, I don't think. But the Buccaneers have a couple things working against them. They've been incredibly efficient. You know, the Falcons, who are a terrible team, were hanging around against the Buccaneers last week until a couple of key plays went Tampa's way and Tom Brady did Tom Brady things. I I feel like this is a golden opportunity for the Bills, and as much as my heart tells me not to do it, 
I will also go with you and be bold and be someone who's making a proclamation. The Bills are going to put all of this shit behind them. They're going to find a way to win 31 to 27. Josh does not turn the ball over. Tom Brady, by the way, is on pace for the most interceptions he's ever thrown in a season. And I know the Bills are opportunistic and they force turnovers. They get at least one. Maybe they get a big fumble too. I'll say Buffalo 31, Tampa 27. Are we sad homers? I'm trying the reverse philosophy, the reverse psychology <laughs> here thing, man, because I I could easily sit back there and be like, the Bills are going to lose 38 to 16, but I believe in this team. I believe in what they're what they're built to do, and the Bills, I think they actually match up better with Tampa Bay than they did with New England. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's probably true. Also, I'm going to this game in Tampa. I also went to the game in Jacksonville, so I feel like they owe me. Yeah, they owe me they, a win. They owe you big time, Jamie. You you need to even your record to one and one in Florida games. If you want, if you're going to the game in Tampa Bay, uh, or you want to get a chance to give Jamie some good natured ribbing, he is on Twitter at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino, and hopefully we are talking to a happy Bills Nation, Bills Mafia fan base next week here on Believe. But get involved with our podcast. Comment on the articles on buffalorumblings.com and give us your thoughts. Are you worried? How concerned are you? Do you think the Bills can right the ship? This would be a hell of a great time to get back on track. Week 14, Bills, Bucks, Jamie and I both think the Bills will pull out a win. Let's hope to goodness that the Bills make this happen here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. 